Welcome to Shouts of Grace Radio, practical conversations from God's Word, hosted by Utah's own Pastor Steve Pearson of Redemption Hill Church in Saratoga Springs and Pastor Keith Radke of River Community Church in West Jordan. At Shouts of Grace Radio, it's our purpose to encourage you to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. Now, let's join Pastor Steve and Pastor Keith for today's conversation. Hey, welcome back to Shouts of Grace Radio. I am your host, Pastor Steve Pearson, from Redemption Hill Church in Saratoga Springs, usually in studio with Pastor Keith Radke um, from River Community in West Jordan. Pastor Keith is taking a little time off. He will be back in a few weeks, um, and we're excited. We're, we're excited in his absence as he's having a little time of rest. Um, we have a special guest in studio today, and we'll get to that in just a second. If you are a first-time listener to Shouts of Grace Radio, we want to welcome you and let you know that um, if you're interested, you can go back and listen to past broadcasts by going to shoutsofgraceradio.com. That's shoutsofgraceradio.com, and there you will see 70-some-odd um, episodes. We've been doing this for, for well over a year now. Um, and, and go ahead and check that out and look at the different topics there that we talk about. Um, and also, we want to give a shout out and a thank you to Key Radio for our partnership with them um, and and really encourage you to to pray about um, 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 supporting Key Radio and the efforts that they are um, engaged in in spreading the gospel here in Utah County and the Uinta Basin. Um, I have in studio today um, a, a friend of mine, um, Adam Richardson. He is the the worship leader at Redemption Hill Church um, at, our, at our church in Saratoga Springs. And um, I've asked him to come in today because I, I really have had a burden on my heart for a while to talk about worship and, and really what that is. And I know a lot of times in the Christian context, we hear the word worship and and we understand it. But those outside the church, sometimes they're wondering like, well, what's worship? Is that music? Is that is that what, you know? And so anyway, I wanted to bring Adam in today to talk about it. Adam is, um, is a very gifted musician and, and a worship leader. And we want to talk about all that, what all of what that entails. So welcome, Adam. Thank you, Steve. Awesome. So, um, you, you came to Redemption Hill not too long ago, about, about three or four months ago. Um, you came on as our worship leader and, um, and, and had a vision for, for, for what, and where we wanted to go. And so before we get there and kind of look, dive into all the nuts and bolts of, of that, you know, you've been involved with music for a while. You've been involved with, with leading worship for a while. And so what, in your, in your view, what is worship and, and, and what are some misconceptions you think people have about worship? I think the biggest uh, misconception would be that in some way, shape or form you're performing. Um, worship is a task or a responsibility for, for individuals, um, in particular leadership wise, being a worship leader, uh, that responsibility has to, uh, allow other in individuals within a, a, a worship setting to, um, to enter into a time to where their focus and their concentration and their, their, their mindset is entirely on God. And, uh, just looking at, praising and, and glorifying. And oftentimes I think the, the, the misconception is that, you know, as a worship leader, we go up there and we have to put on a great show and, and put on a, uh, put on a big smile, happy dance, whatever it is. And, and at the end of the day, um, you know, you end up just being a distraction at that point because you're looking for yourself to be a performer. Mm. So it's something that, um, that you would say, 
that your job is really to set yourself aside. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, when we talk about worship, the, there's a depth to worship that, that goes beyond what we might understand in the Christian context of, of you know, music, right? Worship, when we're told, worship the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, that's not talking about necessarily music, is it? Correct. It, it's talking about a, a greater you know, a greater responsibility with your life as a worship. In fact, the word worship in the in, in the New Testament is oftentimes transferred proskuneos, which means to turn towards and kiss. So, so you you had shared with me a, a while ago that that the the job of the worship leader or worshiper on on stage, if you will, is to lead out front before they lead up front. Talk more about that about the the life of worship and and what has to happen there first. Well, I would I would emphasize the fact that it's a lifestyle. It's not just a life of worship. I, it, yes, it is. It's an every day, every moment. Um, but when I say lead out front, the the example or is to be an example is um, as a worship leader. A lot of people will look at the corporate worship setting and go, "Man, I wish I could worship, and I, I wish I could be a worshiper like that." And and it has nothing to do with with the stage, with that setting, it has everything to do with when you wake up in the morning and your heart starts, you know, it, it's beating through the night and, and you take that breath in the morning and you see the sunlight, your eyes open and you start worship and you end in worship and everything that you do, your whole lifestyle is worship. Hmm. I, you know, when I think of worship and I, and, and I look in the Bible, I think of, I think of stories like, the woman who who came and she and she broke the alabaster bottle of perfume on Jesus's feet, and and that was an act of worship. And, Absolutely. And, and here's what I find interesting. I, I want to get your thoughts on this. There was a lot of people that were standing in the room that day, disciples that loved God, and and some of them even said, "What a waste! What what a waste!" And and but here's the reality, Adam. The two people that left that room smelling like Jesus's feet was the woman's hair in Jesus's feet. And and so it shows me that you can be in the presence of worship. You can watch it and never be a part of it. Right. Talk, talk about that in your experiences, you know, when, when you're, when you're leading worship on the, on the music end, you know, how is it that people can come into church and they can watch it? They can watch the alabaster being broke. You know, they can watch it happening and never be a part of it. And I think it it comes down to the mentality of the individual. I mean, even even if you don't participate in a worship setting where you have, you know, everybody corporately raising their hands or singing out loud or uh, praying together uh, in that environment, if you just kind of stand there, arms folded, and 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 and, and aren't willing to receive, really, ultimately, what you're doing is cutting God off from being able to pour into you and you, you receiving a blessing in that. But um, it's a mindset. It's, you know, are you, are you so ashamed of your abnormal behavior or is, this is outside of your normal character traits to where you're going to shut it off? And once you shut that off, you're really eliminating any possibility of actually worshiping and you've made it about you. It's not about God at that point. So Ultimately, I, I would turn back and challenge is who are you actually worshiping at that point? Because 
The God that's ruling your life right now is the one who's limiting what you're doing, folding your arms and keeping you prideful internally. Mm, I love that. Um, you know, I, I think of um, a specific instance when, you know, in First Samuel chapter 10, um, Saul is is ready to be proclaimed as king, and 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 Samuel's talking about um, the, the the situation where he's going to come down and he's going to meet some prophets, and 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 it says this in First Samuel chapter um, chapter ten verse five. It says, "After that, you shall come to Gibeath Elohim, where there is a garrison of the Philistines, and there, as soon as you come to the city, you will meet a group of." prophets coming down from the high place with harps, tambourines, flutes, lyre before them prophesying. Then the spirit of the Lord will rush upon you and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. And I love that picture because you've got this, this worship setting with all of these instruments that are being played. And then it says, and the spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you'll be different. And and when I think of worship, Adam, I, I don't know what your thoughts are on this. Is is when when we go into a setting of worship where we're we're going to focus in on the Lord. I love what you said. It's not about you. It's about how what's about the Lord and what God can do in you. But when we do that, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon us, right? And 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 I just mm-hmm. I've been in worship settings where where God's Spirit has been super prevalent, and you can just sense it and. Then I've been in worship settings where where man spirit <laughs> has been prevalent. Talk talk about the difference. What what that looks like? Oh man, um, I think you know. I, I would say the difference between those two, um, it it, re- it really comes down to. Um, I have to look at the worship leader in that setting. Um, you know, even even the hardest congregations or the hardest critics that you would run run into there, um, if if you find a willingness for them to be seeking the Lord in that in that time frame, you're you know it's 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 the worship leader's then responsibility not to try to convince man or try to try to coerce them into some sort of you know emotional response, but. But it is the worship leader's responsibility, like I said at the beginning, is to become that example. Is that example is I submit. I am I I'm I'm just taking my crown off, whatever that might be, and I'm gonna place it down and I'm gonna say, God, I'm just gonna worship you. And I'm I'm gonna give everything up and I'm gonna be in this in this moment right here. And what what that example is doing is giving permission to that that environment, that congregation or that group, whatever that might be, a campfire, whatever. Um, it's giving permission for all of those other individuals to, to see, oh, this is a safe place. This is a place where I can be vulnerable. This is a place where I can, you know, take down my walls that protect me daily, and I can go, God, I, even, even though, you know, I may not have the best voice, I may not have the, I, I may be critical about the lyrics that we're singing or anything like that, this leader is just just singing their heart out passionately hmm. and and that that to me is something that um you know it it I have to go back on that worship leader and just say hey you know make sure that you are submitting so that you are the example so that these people feel like this is a safe place hmm. for them to be vulnerable 
Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I'll tell you, uh, in addition to that, I'll add this. You know, I, I've seen... I've seen worship structures and worship environments that have tried to manufacture what the spirit does, right? And and it's it's you know particularly in today's day and age, and 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 I'm not referring to any one one thing, but but I, I see a lot of times you know you, we, if we put the lights the right way, if we have them the mm-hmm. sound the right way, and if we have the smoke machine the right <laughs> smoke machine the right way, and creating an environment and again if if that's your thing you know i'm i'm not going there but but th- there's a heart behind it that's saying if we set the mood and 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 we get everything right we can we can build a place that god can come and we can feel it and sense it and and my only fear in that is we have to be careful because there's an entertainment aspect that comes into that that can manufacture what the spirit does mm-hmm. but not really be the spirit because i like what he says here when the spirit fell on him he became a different man. He he became a different person. And that's, you know, when, when you're in a spirit-filled worship setting, that's what happens. You become a different person and God moves on you. And, and there's a lot of different things that happen. I want to talk more about that right after the break. You're listening to Shouts of Grace Radio with Pastor Steve Pearson and Pastor Keith Radke. At Shouts of Grace Radio, we're thankful for the encouragement from Key Radio, reaching Utah on the airwaves with the good news of eternal life from their station in Provo, Utah. Key Radio can be found online at keyradio.org, and your support of Key Radio makes programs like Shouts of Grace Radio possible. Now, let's join Pastor Steve and Pastor Keith for the conclusion of today's conversation. Welcome back to Shouts of Grace Radio. I am your host, Pastor Steve Pearson from Redemption Hill Church in studio with the worship leader from Redemption Hill Church, Adam Richardson. And we are talking. (laughs) What's that? What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? (laughs) We are talking about worship. And what we mean by that is just the music part and um, and, and the heart part behind living the Christian life. And Adam is, um, is, is our, is our, is in charge of our music. And so, um, I wanted to have him come in and talk about that. And before we went to the break, we were just talking about manufacturing the work of the spirit, um, so that, so that we could have a quote unquote setting of worship, but, but, but really genuine worship is about the heart transformation. And that's what we see when, what happened to Saul. And so what I want to do now, Adam is, you know, you and I've had a lot of conversations and, and you talked about a time in your past where, where you came out of, of the world and you became a Christian and, you know, you were in music in the past and then you had your first experience at church and, and you came with a, with a different heart and, and a worship leader that did something. And he kind of, he kind of, he kind of, you know, transformed you and I, talk, talk more about that kind of what happened and what it was that God showed you as far as turning you into a different man. That was truly heart surgery. Um, it, <laughs> it, it was something that, uh, um, coming from the secular music scene, touring with bands, playing with all sorts of different artists, being in, in bars and smoke filled lounges and all over the place riding around town, cruising around to different cities. I mean, it's a lifestyle that uh, is, is not for the faint of heart. Um, but then coming from that and, and going into an, an area of saying, hey, look, I'm going to serve, and I'm going to serve in a church, and trying to detach myself from that old lifestyle was difficult. I showed up, you know, I had been a paid musician. Even for churches, I'd been a paid musician where I'm just supposed to show up and sing these weird songs, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and, and so it, it really jaded me a little bit at the beginning. 
Um, and, but, but, but there was a leader that I worked with for a while that really gave me an opportunity. And in that opportunity, what they had done is, uh, I, I had, I had started playing acoustic guitar for them and, you know, I had an electric rig and all, I mean, all the bells and whistles that I could do. And I was like, oh man, I'd love to, can I bring my electric and I've got all my pedals. I can make a lot more noise. Oh, I, you know what? I can also sing. I don't know if you know that. So I was just, I was ambitious and I just kept going for it. And eventually, <clears throat> I I made it to the the front row of the of the worship team up front in front of everybody, spotlights on, acoustic guitar shiny and polished every single weekend, and uh, and and I just started showboating. I you know I started noodling more in the songs. My my rhythm patterns became more intricate. My my vocals were more aggressive or or they were louder and. And it, it I, I just, I wasn't, I wasn't doing what a worship leader needed to do. It was, it was about me. And, you know, I even showed up kind of prima donna in the sense where I just said, okay, I'm going to use my microphone and don't touch this. This is my mic stand, you know, just bringing my own gear and just saying, this is all about me. And this worship leader, instead of just saying, hey, buddy, you're not on the team anymore. You know, he, he gave me, he, he gave me a good talking to, he sat me down and he gave me a book. Um, oh man, the unquenchable worshiper by Matt Redmond coming back to the heart of worship. And I was like, I don't need a book, dude. Like I already know way too much about this. You know, I'm, I'm a perfect worship leader, I suppose. Um, that, that book rocked my world. This, this, this worship leader, worship pastor, a friend of mine still, um, you know, I was insulted. I was offended. I was like, you, you, you just, you can't stop this monster who I am, man. This is, you can't lock me down like this. Well, what he did is he gave me the book and instead of just kicking me off the team, he put me in the back row, no lights back there with an acoustic amp, not plugged into the system, playing alongside with the rest of the worship team. And, you know, just for safety measure, I mean, literally, he had the ability to just shut me down completely if he really wanted me to. But but it was a big hit to my ego. And when I started reading that book, it, it talks very, very little about the stage. And it talks entirely about the heart. And um, in that moment is where I recognized, you know, reading that book and, and sitting back behind everybody just serving. And had another friend of mine, he uses the phrase, and I, I use it now regularly, is serve the song, you know. And um, it, it, it became entirely about God. It became this, it didn't matter whether it was 40,000 people or four, or just by myself. God was able to wreck me in worship. And, and it was just close my eyes, and it wasn't a count of how many people, it was just an opportunity to worship. And Matt Redman, you know, has that similar point. He, he, he did a show, his example at the beginning of the book, and I won't ruin it for anybody. You should definitely read that book if you want to know about worship. Um, but uh, at the beginning, he mentions that, you know, they just got over a show that there was probably 20, 25,000 people in a stadium that they're singing to and they're leading worship. And then he turns around and the next day, and I mean, in this show, I mean, he's, he's moving around stage, he's sweating. He's just, just gross and lights and all the, all the jazz and whatever it is. And then the next night 
it's in front of a Bible study and there's probably 15 people. And there was no difference in the way that Matt was leading worship. He was sweaty and just in, enveloped in worship and just pouring everything into, into it and just singing his heart out. And, and, and I think that was a big point to me where I recognized, I said, you know, I, I've been going at this all wrong. I've been going at this trying to get credit where I don't deserve any credit at all. Hmm. I, I hear that and I, I think, man, you know, particularly when you talked about just the pride and, and the monster part, you know, there's something there, there and, and I've seen this in a lot of different contexts. There's something that lights do to a person that, you know, the stage lights, mm-hmm. if you will, whether those stage lights are on the context of music, whether they're in the context of, of, you know, being, being, um, you know, a, a speaker, whatever it is, where, where people are watching you, it, it almost like it feeds this unquenchable desire within a man to be recognized. And, and it's the antithesis of what God's trying to do. God's trying to break us. He's trying to break the man. Right. And so, so when you say, you know, that, that you had come and he puts you in the back row, you know, I, I've always said this, you know, in a lot of areas of life, I believe that God oftentimes he'll, he'll break out the press and he'll start pressing us and breaking us and crushing us. And it, has little to do oftentimes with our talents and much to do with the heart. And you brought that up. And it sounds like um, what you're saying is, is that you had a period of time where you had to go through a, a breaking period and where God was taking that heart of stone that you had and, and letting you know that if you were going to lead people to the throne of God, there had to be less of you and more of him. Absolutely. That's the only option. Yeah. Now, now talk for a second in the, in the remaining two minutes that we have left. Um, what was the most, what was the thing that stood out the most? And as, as God was bringing you along this way, what was the lesson that stood out the most um, in regard to your, your interaction with worship and, and where you're at today? What, what was the lesson that you look back and go, oh man, I'll, I'll never forget this. Yeah, I'd taken my my time through the book, um, and I had I had been relaxing in the back, kind of getting used to or complacent um, to the fact of of being that uh, would you say second chair in the orchestra, and um, <clears throat> I had I'd used the book to uh, to kind of put together a little bit more uh, of of a curriculum per se, and. I had taken that book and, and, and taken that material that I put together and had a, had a little group of youth. And in that youth program, I mean, we, I, I, I recruited, I was the Simon Cowell of, uh, of the, you know, American Idol kind of bring these kids together and, and create a worship team. And they selected a team. They selected the, uh, you know, the songs. And we worked through those. But not only did we do that, we went through the book. And um, it was such an encouraging thing to see some of these worship leaders now. You know, the lesson is, is that it wasn't about me. The book wasn't about me, and I knew that. But, but I, I, think, I think just seeing them grow and seeing them uh, become who they are now, some of them are worship directors, invitations to Hillsong. Um, you know, some of them are just great moms and great dads. 
But uh, but but it really ultimately was 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 just a blessing to see that God God gets worship everywhere. Awesome. Well, hey, listen, we're out of time for this episode of Shouts of Grace. We're going to continue this conversation in part two. Um, so so tune in next week. God bless you, and pray that the Lord fills your day with Himself. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Shouts of Grace Radio. Practical conversations from God's Word hosted by Pastor Steve Pearson and Pastor Keith Radke. We hope you've been encouraged to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. If today's conversation encouraged you in your journey following and learning more about Jesus, we would love to hear from you. You can visit us online at shoutsofgraceradio.com. At ShoutsOfGraceRadio.com, you can listen to all of our episodes, share them online with your friends, and find out more about Pastor Steve and Pastor Keith. Shouts of Grace Radio is a joint outreach of Redemption Hill Church in Saratoga Springs, Utah, and River Community Church in West Jordan, Utah. Thank you again for joining us on today's show, and from all of us at Shouts of Grace Radio, it is our prayer that you would grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. 